Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Cal Thomas is a legendary journalist, and it was my distinct pleasure recently to present a conversation with him on The Meeting House as he shared observations from throughout the years and how his Christian worldview has influenced his approach. You'll be hearing from him coming up. Then it's Sandra Bird who explores the concept of home and how the presence of the Lord can make a distinct difference in the home and family. And on this edition of The Intersection, Molly Wilmington has studied the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer and shared recently on The Meeting House not only some of the highlights of his life and devotion to Christ, but she also described what Christians, especially children, can learn from his walk with God. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection, you'll hear from Joel Penton of LifeWise Academy discussing a way to bring biblical truth to students through offering Bible education during the school day at off-campus locations. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Cal Thomas has over 50 years of experience in journalism and has plenty of stories to tell. He has shared them with a wide audience through his pertinent and insightful columns. He's motivated by a Christian worldview and visited with me for the Meeting House to reflect on his career and how he has been able to speak truth, the truth, the truth, about developments impacting our culture. Here now from that conversation is Cal Thomas. Well, I started in radio when I was 16. I was a disc jockey at a local uh, radio station in suburban Washington, D.C., and uh, when I was 19, I joined NBC News as a copy boy at the uh, network uh, operation in Washington and uh, was surrounded by real journalists of the time. Many had come over from newspapers and wire services to uh, broadcast. They all wrote their own stuff. Uh, I remember something uh, David Brinkley said, who was one of the uh, major news stars of the day. He said, it's impossible to be objective, so we must try to be fair. And I think that uh, is something that has completely disappeared from news reporting today as uh, the biases and the filters through which so much of the news that is reported comes mainly from the secular progressive point of view. And it's one reason uh, trust in the media is at or near an all-time low. So I've tried to inject a little uh, truth, and uh, certainly I come from a biblical point of view. Uh, The fact that certain standards never change because God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And as people uh, continue to experiment with other things, I think they're finding that those things uh, will not and do not satisfy. So I'm trying as a watchman in the night to point Mm. people back to uh, the things that really work economically, morally, politically. So let's talk about your faith journey. Was has was that something at, that actually predated your really getting involved in journalism, or did it come along a little bit later? Well, my parents took me to a building called church, but uh, we never read the Bible at home, and uh, there was no uh, ever that I recall any discussion of eternal life. Um, you went to church for an hour, and then the rest of Sunday and the rest of the week, you were pretty much on your own, which seemed to be the attitude. But in the midst of my quest to become a network correspondent, by the time I was 30 years old, I got fired instead. And uh, out of that uh, came a uh, searching for the real meaning of life. Uh, My late wife uh, said, you know, you'll never be free of this desire to be a big celebrity until you thank God for losing your job. 
Well, my job was my God, and uh, God had a better plan for me than being a network correspondent. But first, he had to work some things out of me before he could work himself in me. And that began an 11-year journey of uh, people I had met. Uh, God led me to a great church in Houston where I was taught sound doctrine. And uh, then I met Dr. Francis Schaefer, who taught me how to think. And uh, then God opened this door in 1984 for me to write a syndicated column. It really was miraculous, considering the antipathy that most in the media have toward uh, political conservatives and especially followers of Jesus. So it's been an incredible journey. I'm still doing it, two columns a week, over 4,000 columns in the last uh, almost 40 years. And uh, to be able to do what you love and to get paid for it is an ideal combination. (laughs) And the name of the book, his memoir, if you will, is called A Watchman in the Night. And there, that certainly is a a biblically related phrase, if you will. And I'd like yes. for you to just elaborate, if you would, on how you see God's call on your own life and the things that you write that really fulfill that call that you describe as being a watchman in the night. Well, yeah, you're right about the title. It comes from the Old Testament, where the ancient Israelites posted a watchman on the wall after the gates closed mm-hmm. to look out for invading armies and uh, bad guys who wanted to do them harm. And the picture shows uh, a guy holding a lantern and, uh, and uh, exposing what is outside that wall so that he could uh, warn who was inside if anybody was coming. Uh, that's what I try to do. I, I say, look, all of these policies that have been uh, imposed on America counter to what the founders intended counter to what the scriptures teach, are not working out. We have a $31 trillion and counting debt. We have an open border, uncontrolled immigration. We have a serious loss of shared moral values. And all three of these things are consistent with the fall of empires and superpowers of the past. What makes us think that we are going to get away with what no other nation has gotten away with? We now elevate and promote things that God calls an abomination. Do you think he can be mocked without consequences? He certainly has not been in the past, and since he never changes, and there's no uh, reference to the United States in Scripture, if we don't turn back to him and rapidly, then I fear we're going to head in the same direction as those other nations that forgot God in the past. That was Cal Thomas, the author of the book, A Watchman in the Night, What I've Seen Over 50 Years Reporting on America. You can find him online at calthomas.com. Next on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's the author of the book entitled Dwell, 90 Days at Home with God. Sandra Bird, in advance of Mother's Day 2023, offered insight on how a home can reflect the presence of God and a mother's role in facilitating that. From that conversation, here is Sandra Bird. When we acknowledge that our peace doesn't need to be dependent on circumstances, it's dependent on our relationship with Him and the gift of His peace, then we can acknowledge that our homes can be a sanctuary kind of from the outside world, uh, from the you know forces that might be uh, we battle with every day, whether they're on a job or it could be a commute or it could be health issues or anything, our peace in our homes are are dependent on the relationships that we have with him. You know, speaking of that psalm, I love that verse Psalm four eight. In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. 
and that dwell word again, resting together, being together. So to set up a set up an atmosphere in your home, um, what I kind of call the put the phone down moment. He's of hmm. course with us, and we we know he's with us. But uh, like if you're out, you know, having dinner with someone and they're looking at their phone instead of looking at you. I've seen parents walking with kids looking at their phone instead of the kids. And it's easy to be quickly judgmental. And then I have to say to myself, hey, Sandra, God's in your home. Are you putting your phone down? Are you acknowledging his presence? And when he, when I do do that, his peace is palpable in my home. And then those people, whether they be my family or guests, they sense that when they come mm-hmm. into my home that uh, he's the primary presence. Sandra Bird is joining us today here on The Meeting House on Faith Radio. She has written a book called Dwell, 90 Days at Home with God. Now, a while back, you also wrote a book called The One-Year Home and Garden Devotions. What is the relationship of that previous book with this particular book, Dwell? These these devos, these 90 devos, were drawn from that original devotional, and then I fortified them with some scripture. I chose the ones that really focused on uh, dwell, dwelling in, acknowledging, recognizing God's presence in, in our lives. The lessons he shows us, he showed me some lessons with, uh, you know, birds, birds leaving the nest, actually, at a stage in my life when I was becoming an empty nest mom. All the other moms could have told me all the wonderful things they did, but it didn't have the resonance that it, the, that the insight and the lesson and the comfort was when, when God showed me that lesson specifically in my own garden. I think uh, what I was led to do here is to find those, those 90 devotionals from that greater devotional, which of course I still love and, and support, but to find the ones that really bind us closely to the Lord uh, in our home and recognizing his hand. When I see him and acknowledge that and feel him and I'm led by him every single day, that's that's what brings me peace. That's what brings and these are turbulent times. Mm. That's what brings me peace. That's that's what helps me see that um, I'm still his little sparrow, even as he shows me how my little sparrows were leaving the nest. And another note I wanted to bring out is that there's also photography that you've brought in, correct? It's gorgeous. I have to say, I the, our Daily Bread did the photography, the publisher of this book, and God anointed that that person who did the interior design because she she chose exactly the right photographs to be partnered with the scripture, to be partnered with the devotional stories. Um, you know, I feel I, I feel like we were put together as a team. It's a coffee table quality book. But it's one that you want to open every day and 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 read. I look at, at a, a devotional like a good prayer partner. It's somebody hmm. that you want to meet with every day. They share a story with you. They share how God is working uh, in in their lives, and you and they bring you deeper into the scriptures. So if you're if you're reading a good devo and one that brings you into that kind of frame of mind, which the, the photography in this book certainly does. Um, you know, it can it can be a prayer partner event. Sandra Bird here on the intersection. You can find her online at sandrabirdbyrd.com. This is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org and clicking on the link to The Meeting House. 
Through that Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast and the Meeting House radio program. You'll also find links to the Intersection, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple podcast feed. Plus, you can watch video clips of Meeting House guests through the Faith Radio YouTube channel. There is a link provided through that homepage. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or you can visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversation material from the Faith Radio Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms, including Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other platforms. Just search for Faith Radio Podcast. Well, next up on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's the author of the children's book entitled Dietrich Bonhoeffer, The Teacher Who Became a Spy. Molly Wilmington discussed aspects of the life and ministry of the theologian and lessons that children and adults alike can apply in their lives. Here now from that Meeting House Conversation is Molly Wilmington. One of my favorite children's books is George Washington and the General's Dog. And I modeled my book pretty closely after it. When I researched it, I looked for stories that children like. In fact, I have many friends who are Bonhoeffer scholars, and they actually look at it and say, oh, I didn't know these stories. Because mm-hmm. when they were reading about Bonhoeffer, they were reading about his theological mm-hmm. ideas or, or kind of the bigger picture things and steps of resistance and things like that, or what he said about peace. And, and so these stories are fun for adults to read as well. And what I do with my book is I start off by talking about how Bonhoeffer loved children. And he also was a teacher in addition to being a pastor. So I talk about him being taking care of both the children that he or not. Yeah. So the children that he taught, but also the older students that he taught who were usually kind of in their 20s and how he lived in life together with them. For for the younger kids, he took them on trips to the beach or to the woods because they were inner city kids who didn't get out and get to do those kinds of things. Or he visited them in the hospital when they were sick. In fact, I didn't have time to say it in the story, but one time there was a miraculous healing after he went and visited with this child. He also went to their homes where it was just abject poverty, and it was really uncomfortable for Bonhoeffer to to sit and listen um, and to know what to say to the family. So he loved them, and and some people might discount that as, oh, that's not putting your faith in action. But it is. It's, it's loving children and helping them grow and see what it looks like to have support and to learn about God. So that's, that's where you start off. And there's some funny things in there, too, that kids love. Like one of his students fell asleep under the piano to surprise him. Um, you know, he was waiting for him so long, but Bonhoeffer went to bed instead and came back the next morning and somebody was snoring under the piano. So you've got some fun stories like that. And then the kids also really liked the part about helping, um, seeing where Bonhoeffer's nieces and nephews and his uh, sisters helped to send 
secret codes back and forth between Bonhoeffer and his brother and two brother-in-laws who were in prison. And so, you know, kids imagine themselves also helping as spies with um, the secret codes in the books or hiding entire messages within the jelly jar lids, you know, back Mm. and forth. And later kids can find out even more that the family did to help um, with washing the clothes and preparing food. And it was very dangerous what they were doing. And then the kids also can learn a lot by looking at what it was like when Bonhoeffer was in prison. Bonhoeffer was still able to help people. He helped by sharing the little food he had, sharing scripture, and then praying with people. Those were three ways I talked about it. You know, he was suffering in prison. He felt lonely and sometimes despondent, but he also kept turning to God and finding peace. He read the Psalm 23 I talk about, and he read the the Psalms were very important to him. And so he asked God, how can I still be a pastor? How can I still help people? And he was that to people in prison. I shared this book early on with my son's sixth grade teacher, and he said, you know, this is really important about sharing your food. This is a power that kids have. When they go to school and their best friend or their, somebody in their class doesn't have food, they can share the little bit of food they brought. Um, and, you know, they might be a little bit hungrier that day, but they've helped their friend. And so these are tangible ways that kids can be active and loving people around themselves and asking, what can I do even in hard times? There's also um, a two-page spread about Bonhoeffer going on the radio, writing newspaper articles, giving lectures. Now, not everybody's called to do that, but everybody can help people who do that. Mm. You can go and set up the chairs and make the meatballs and spaghetti or pass out information or send emails that, hey, we're going to get together or somebody's coming to speak. So there's so many tangible ways that people can learn from Bonhoeffer's uh, courageous witness and also the people that were all part of Bonhoeffer's life. Comments from Molly Wilmington here on The Intersection. You can find out more online at theteacherwhobecameaspy.com. Well, this is The Intersection Podcast. Joel Penton is the founder and CEO of LifeWise Academy, which offers Bible instruction through what's called Release Time Religious Instruction, providing public school students with courses during the school day off campus. He's written a book called During School Hours, Why and How LifeWise Academy is Reinstalling Religious Education into the Public School Day. Here now from a recent Meeting House conversation is Joel Penton. Well, my background is in ministry. I got into full-time ministry right out of college, and it's in public schools. The ministry I got into was a traveling speaking ministry to public high schools and middle schools, and so I had kind of those two prongs. And then in 2018, my hometown, people in my hometown reached out to me to tell me about this new Bible education program they had started, what was a released time program. I'd never heard anything about it. I had no idea it was legal. And I quickly came to the conclusion that this is the best kept secret, maybe the the greatest missed opportunity of the church to reach the next generation. And I jumped in with both feet at that point. So tell me about the process of getting LifeWise Academy up and running. Sure. Well, people in my hometown of the small town, Van Wert, Ohio, in 2012 started a release time program. And for your audience, the release time religious instruction is the legal term of students being released from public school 
during school hours, that's the key, it's during the school day, to receive religious instruction provided the program is off school property, privately funded, and they have parental permission. Again, we believe it's the best kept secret in reaching the next generation. Well, in 2012, my hometown started a program. They hoped to have 30% of the elementary school enroll because that's how many kids attend church. However, the very first year, 60% of the school enrolled. And by year three, over 95% of the entire school was enrolled, being taught the Bible on a weekly basis. It was in 2018 they reached out to me, the hometown guy who was in ministry to schools, and said, hey, how come we have this amazing program that's legal, the Supreme Court's already ruled on it, how come every community across the country doesn't have a program like this? And that was with that question that we said, well, let's put a program together that any community could implement. We give them the tools. Maybe communities will do it. That was in 2019. We launched our first programs, and here we are serving more than 100 schools nationwide. So how is it that you began to develop a curriculum, and what components did you want to offer to the students who would participate in this release time program? Yeah, great question. Well, we did want to put together the entire package. What we realized is that it sounds simple to take kids off school property, teach them the Bible, and bring them back. It sounds simple, but the execution isn't simple because you pretty much have to start a private school. you got to get a facility and transportation and curriculum and policies and all of that. And so we wanted to remove all the barriers, put everything together in a package that any community could implement. And, yes, a big part of that was finding a curriculum. And we wanted a curriculum that would really lead with Scripture and point students to Jesus as well as how Jesus transforms our lives. And so we have a licensing agreement with a curriculum called the Gospel Project. We teach students through the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, over five years from first grade to fifth grade. They start in Genesis, they end in Revelation. Every lesson talks about the head, heart, and hands. And so the head, we start with the information on the page, the heart, how does it connect to the bigger picture of the Gospel message, and hands, how does it transform our lives. And by the time they graduate, they've been through the whole Bible. What I'd like for you to share with us, Joel, when we think about the legality of this, and, and some people, like you said, and very similar to your initial reaction, it's like, really, this is almost sounds too good to be true. If you would, just build for us over the next couple of minutes the legal foundation for this concept of release time. Absolutely. Well, we're all familiar with the fact that Decades ago, there was a, a series of Supreme Court cases that took things like prayer, Bible reading, and that type of thing out of the school system. What very few people realize is, is that amidst that, in 1952, there was a Supreme Court case, Zorach versus Clawson, in which a program, a, a religious program, was challenged and it went to the Supreme Court. However, that program was upheld because the students were not taught the Bible in school. They were taken off school property. No public funds were used. It was all privately funded, and they had parental permission. And so the Supreme Court upheld that program, establishing that if those three criteria are met, then students can study the Bible during school hours. However, there was just so much publicity around all of the other cases of the Bible being taken out and prayer being taken out, it's kind of gone unnoticed now for 70 years. Joel Penton here on The Intersection. You can learn more at lifewise.org. 
Well, we're nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, the weekly... We are nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or from the programming menu at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center from the Meeting House homepage. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast and the Meeting House program. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as the Apple Podcast feed. And there's a link to video clips from Meeting House guests through the Faith Radio YouTube channel. A link is provided through the Meeting House homepage. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, the website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Thank you for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.